I have the sweetest husband who watches our three kids while I go places and... Um, it actually got to the point because when they were little, they would cry and be sad. And so it got to the point where he would take them to the grocery store as soon as I got, as soon as I was leaving, he would take them to the grocery store and let them pick out their own box of sugar cereal. And I didn't let them eat sugar cereal. And then it was awful because it got to the point where I would say, mommy has to go on a retreat. And they would say, yay. <laughs> and I was like, okay, now that's breaking my heart. But I remember this one time. I was gone, and I got a picture sent from my husband, just texted from my husband, no caption or anything, but it was of my, my son who's 13 now, but when he was two or three, somewhere around that, and it was this picture of him sitting in the doctor's office with a gold chain stuck around his teeth and the whole chain hanging down. And what had happened is he had been sucking on his sister's necklace. I don't know, for those of you who have boys, you get it. And um, he had been sucking on his sister's necklace, and it somehow got stuck in between his tiny little toddler teeth. But the clasp that you open was up against the roof of his mouth. And so it was just stuck there, hanging. And my husband just texts me this picture, and I'm supposed to go on with my life as normal while my son has a chain hanging from his teeth, and I don't know how they ended up getting it out, but hi, I'm Christy. <laughs> nice to meet you. My children are eating sugar cereal right now. <laughs> My husband's so sweet, he's actually teaching a men's retreat at Marietta tomorrow, and he's taking all of them with him. So, like, thank you. <laughs> Bring on the sugar cereal, it's fine. <laughs> if you have your Bible, open up to Revelation chapter 22. And while you're doing that, just a few things. Most of the time when I'm listening to someone speak, I miss the first part of what they say because I'm thinking, who are they again? How old is she? I wonder if she has kids. Is that her real hair color? I wonder if she's on social media. Maybe I'll just look her up really quick. And I know they probably have some bio in my booklet or my bio in some booklet, you know, some my whatever in the booklet. But if you're bad like me, maybe you don't read those things. And so I'm just going to apologize to the graphic artist who did the bio in the booklet. And I'm just going to tell you a few things about me really quick. I've been married to my adorable husband, Jason, for 17 years, two weeks ago. So I think I can now say that we've almost been married 18 years. <laughs> and I will be 40 years old next month. And I will be turning 40 four months before my husband turns 40. So I'm getting ready for four months of torture as he mercilessly teases me about being in my 40s while he is still in his 30s. I have three adorable kids. My daughter is 15, my son's 13, and then I have an 11-year-old daughter. And so I can't quite say that I have three teens, but you know how those youngest ones always turn into teenagers faster than the older ones did? And so I feel like I have three teens. This is my real hair color. I don't do makeup. My idea of getting my nails done is putting a new color over whatever is chipping off. And so... <laughs> And in my purse currently, I have a key from here that I stole three weeks ago from family camp. I'm sorry, Kathy, I brought it back. <laughs> With that said, I think you know everything about me now. So let's go ahead and read in Revelation 22:17 17 
the theme verse for the weekend. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Father, we come before you this weekend. And Lord, we have heard you beckon to us, Come. And Lord, our hearts say to you, Come. God, thank you for the promise that if we draw near to you, that you will draw near to us. Thank you for the promise that we can call to you and that you will show us great and mighty things which we do not know. Lord, thank you for the promise that you're near to those who are broken and contrite in heart. And in a room this size, Lord, I'm sure that there are those who identify with those verses. Lord, we want all of you this weekend. Would you clear us of distractions? Would you bring us near to your presence? Would you meet us in a way that we have never been met by you before? Lord, we want to go deeper than we ever have before. We want to be higher with you than we ever have before. We want to be more in love with you than we ever have been before. And Lord, we want to know your presence more magnificently than we ever have before. Jesus, would you meet us here, we pray. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, I love this theme, the word come. And I love the theme verse. I love that he says come and that we we say come. And then at the very end of the chapter, he says, I'm coming. It's like the absolute circle of fulfillment. Come, come, I'm coming. Yay. We're here. He's here and he's coming. I love that all of us in this room tonight fit into one of those categories in our verses. Can you hear? Here, he wants to call you to come. Are you thirsty? He wants to call you to come. Do you desire God? He wants to call you to come. And surely one of those descriptions match where we are. And as I kept thinking about this word come, I thought it was so beautiful in the realization that he came first. That he doesn't ask us to do something that he didn't first make the path for us to do. He reached out to us first. In 1 John 4, it says that we love him because he first loved us. And I kept thinking about being in my little like Disney world right now. Well, not so much anymore, but the toddler years as they were passing. I kept thinking about that part of the movie Aladdin. Now, we don't dress like her, but just that part of the movie Aladdin where he's reaching out his hand and he's He says, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And I could just picture Jesus reaching out his hand to us this weekend, saying, will you trust me? Will you come? If you do, then follow. The word come encompasses so much. It means to move towards something, to approach, to move or journey to a vicinity with a specified purpose, to arrive in due course, to reach a condition or a conclusion, to advance toward accomplishment to advance in a particular manner, to arrive at a particular place and or result, to fall to a person in a division or inheritance of property, to approach or be near. And I was thinking about 
all the different reasons that we call someone to come, that we, we have something exciting to show them. And so we say, come here, you've got to see this. And I was just thinking about that with Jesus, that he says, come, because he's excited to show us his heavenly kingdom. He's excited to show us the new Jerusalem. He's excited to show us the fulfillment, the fruition of the salvation and the calling and the inheritance that is kept in heaven for us, undefiled for us, the kingdom. Or maybe we say come because we want to protect somebody from something that will happen to them apart from them staying near to us. We say, come here. Maybe those of you with little kids or if a dog's attacking someone, you say, come, or I think I would just run. But maybe you would say, come because you're brave. I don't know. Or maybe you say, come because you just want to be near them, to bless them, to stay near to them. And it's amazing to me that the God of the universe is blessed when he is near to us. Doesn't that amaze you? That never grows old to me. 28 years ago, I came into this room for my first junior high camp that I had ever gone to. And maybe you were here around that time too when it had the pink booths and the the lifted stage and it looked a lot different. And 28 years ago, and I remember for the first time just singing that song about Jesus and his name is like honey on our lips. And and I remember being so boy crazy and looking around at the boys, but listening about Jesus at the same time. And just thinking about the last 28 years that Jesus has met me in this place. And that psalm kept coming to my heart um, earlier tonight when I was driving up the mountain that says, My King of Old. And then the other one where it says, You've been my God from my mother's womb. The fact that God wants to meet us, it's astounding. Or maybe we say, come, because we have something for somebody to do. Come here, I want to show you what to do. Come here, I have a job for you. Come here, you didn't wash the dishes again. We have the descriptions of how to do it right. 2 Timothy 2.4 says, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, I don't, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. So we need to come near to have our job description and then to know the rules of what we have been called to do. The word come in any context is always a command of some sort. And so often, maybe when your babies were little or toddlers or you have kids and you say, come on, let's go. I'm already on the move without you and I want you here with me. My oldest daughter is the sweetest thing in the world and she is slow as molasses. And I'm always in a hurry. I'm just like that person that's always, always running, always on the move and just to get her her to come, come here. I'm leaving without you. I'm excited. I want to show you something. And I just want to encourage us when God says, come to us this weekend for whatever reason, can we just like make a little Girl Scout promise that we won't be stubborn? That we won't be stubborn about whatever it is that he's telling us to come in. See, I have this dog. 
and it's a little white multi-poo. And maybe some of you are going to say, oh. But maybe some of you have had a multi-poo. <laughs> and I think I'm the only one in my house who's ever been interested in training it. And it's been four years at this point, and so we've just given up and gotten tile all the way downstairs and put a baby gate up the stairs. And I mean, there's a doggy door, everything. And I have no idea what I'm doing. I've never had a dog before. And I looked online, and okay, you dog lovers, you just have to promise that you won't freak out, get up, walk out, send me mean emails, like, come tell me how to train my dog. I'm not going to do it, okay? If you want to come to my house and do it, great. I'll give her it to you. So I was trying to get her to learn how to come because she would run outside and then we would spend an hour chasing her. And now she's a little bit better because we say the word bacon and she comes back a little bit faster. <laughs> but in the beginning, we, just, we would spend hours chasing her. And so I looked online how to train a dog to come. And it said, okay, I'm not even going to look at your faces when I say this. It said that you spray their face with water if they don't come to you. Yeah? Anybody? No? Yes? Okay. So, so it says that you spray their faces with water. I'll say that with confidence and boldness. So I remember this one day. I was like with the doggy treat. And I said, come. And she didn't move. And I sprayed her face. And I said, smell it? Come. She didn't move. I sprayed her face. 30 minutes goes by. We are both soaking wet. The doggy tree is like disintegrating in my hands. She's not moving. I'm about to kill her. If Dog Protective Services could come to my house, they would take her away. We are good parents. We are terrible dog owners. We should never have a dog. But maybe there's some of us, I know I do, God was speaking to me during those 30 minutes, which is probably why it was such a frustrating moment for me. I don't want to hear what I have to say. I don't want to hear. I know I'm like the dog to spray. Come, I know. Second Samuel 22:31 says, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. And isn't the enemy so tricky in making us think that if we come to what God is calling us to, if we come in the area that he is calling us to come in, that it will be difficult, that it will be hard, that it will be awful. The word of God says the way of God is perfect and proven. Whatever God asks you to come in this weekend, it is perfect and it is proven. Would we trust this weekend in his proven way and not give him and ourselves a soaking wet dog biscuit disintegrating hard time? Because there are such rewards and blessings when we just come to him so much better than bacon and dog biscuits. So much better. And so I wanted to start tonight with come to him for revelation. And so if you open up in your booklets that you do have, that my bio is in there somewhere in, that people have spent so long doing pretty little graphics in, the first study is come for revelation. And since the theme verse is in Revelation, I thought it was a really good place to start. I don't know what you think. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he said in Matthew 22, Jesus answered, Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He says, Would you love me with every fiber of your being, 
every speck that you are, would you love me? He longs for us to know who he is. Don't we long to be known for somebody to understand us? And I know that I'm pretty social, and so maybe that's why I'm so excited that there's an ice cream social. I'm trying to talk fast, I promise. (laughs) Ice cream. My daughter was asking me today, what do you like better, ice cream or pie? And my dad was there, and he said, pie cream. I'm like, yes, yes, I like pie cream. <laughs> but we long to be known from the social, but I think even the introverts, who I don't quite understand. But you long to be known and understood that you're an introvert, Right? You don't want to be like brought out and brought up front and embarrassed. We long to be known. We want somebody to see us. We want somebody to understand us. In 1 John 1, 6, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life, the life that was manifested. And we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is a message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Jesus longs for us to truly know him, to see him with our eyes, to look upon him, to handle him. He longs for us to truly know him because he longs for us to know that we that he is truly all we need. God was manifested to us for us. I get heartbroken When I hear some who say, oh, the God of the New Testament is different than the God of the Old Testament. The God of the Old Testament is thunder and lightning. I had this girl, and she texted me, and I'm not super great with my phone, and I was so impressed, and she's like 21 maybe, and she's reading through the one-year Bible with me, and we're talking about it each day, and she said, why is the God of the Old Testament like? And then she sent this like thunderous like picture, and then she said, and the God of the New Testament is like, and she sent this picture of this little lamb skipping And I'm like, no, you just have to keep reading it. You have to keep reading it to see that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That the mercy of God is cover to cover from the Old Testament to the New Testament. That Jesus is the Father manifested. Reading through the Old Testament, I love to see the beauty of God. I love it when Moses cried out for revelation of God. He said, God, would you just show me your glory? And isn't that our cry? I get so jealous of Moses when I read through the Pentateuch. I'm just like, I want to see you face to face. I want to know you like this. I want to press into the darkness. And Moses says, would you show me your glory? Don't you long to see Jesus? Don't you long to know him more? He's like salt or sugar. The more that you have, the more you want. When God passes before Moses, he could have declared any of his attributes. He is glory. He is love. He could have declared anything. 
But to reveal his glory to Moses, he chose to declare before him his compassion and his mercy. It says in Exodus 34, Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious and long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Do we know this God? Do we know this God who is merciful and gracious and abounding in goodness and truth? Do we study him? Do we study who he is to get to know him? Do we long for him? Are we in his word? He has so much for us every day. When God reveals his glory to Moses, I love that he gives him a place to stand. I love in Exodus 33, right before he comes to him to show him his glory, he says, here's a place by me and you shall stand on the rock and I'm going to cover you with my hand. Don't you have those moments where you feel so solid on the rock of Jesus and so covered by his hand? The revelation of God gives us greater understanding of who God is, but it also gives us a place, a covering, and a calling. When we come to God and say, God, would you just show me? You say in Jeremiah, you can call to me and I will show you great and mighty things which you have not known. When we do that and he reveals himself to us, we have a surety and a confidence and a fullness in Christ that you can get nowhere else in this entire world. And sometimes God allows a depletion in our life. Sometimes he allows a lack in some area to give us a room to desire him. Have you ever noticed that? You'll have to read the whole section of Exodus 20 through 35. That's your homework tonight, maybe tomorrow, maybe this weekend. I don't know. Maybe go home and read Exodus 20 to 35. You'll have to read it for details. I'm sure most of you in this room already know. But God had just told Moses right before he asked him to show him his glory. God had just told Moses that he wouldn't be leading him any longer into the promised land. He said, I'm not going to go with you because there are stiff-necked people and I might strike them down in the desert, but I'm going to send an angel before you. And Moses flips out. Unless you go, I don't want to go. Oh, and by the way, can you show me your glory? And isn't it true that sometimes we don't know what we have until we have a chance of losing it? Haven't you noticed that in so many areas? And so God creates us creates a thirst in us by giving us a little bit of who he is. And sometimes he scoots back just a tiny bit. Sometimes he's, he's a little bit quiet. He's a little bit calm in our souls. And once we've tasted who he is, and suddenly it's a little quiet, doesn't that make you thirst all the more for every bit of him. This is why David said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We were here three weeks ago, like I just said, for family camp, and I do have a key in my purse that I will give to you. And somehow we forgot our sheets and bedding. My husband, we've come to family camp for 17 years, and he's like, I can't, I can't handle it anymore. He brings his own bedding, like, like a like a feather mattress pad. 
am sorry. I love the beds here. I have no problem with them. I sleep very good. But he brings this feather mattress pad. I was the last one to leave the room. I didn't see it rolled up on the bed. And we got home, and he's like, now he's having a hard time sleeping on our mattress with our, our feather mattress pad. He got very spoiled. So I, I'm here to like drop off the key and pick up my sheets and teach a retreat really quick. But we brought our niece with us, and she's six years old, and, and she's, she's the only child, and she's absolutely adorable, but she's a sweet little princess, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and so she says to me when they serve the food, she says, I don't like that. For everything, like everything. At my house here, every restaurant we own, I don't like that. Do you ever have one of those? Maybe you are one of those. Come on, just eat it. <laughs> And one night they were serving the Alfredo ravioli here. Who doesn't like, it's like fat and pasta. Who doesn't like that? And she says to me, um, excuse me, I hate that. <laughs> I'm like, well, at least, at least she was taught to say, excuse me. That's nice. So she says, um, excuse me, I hate that. And I said, oh, take a bite of it. No, I've, I've had it before. Okay, well, take a bite anyway. And she's not used to that. And she takes a bite, and she's looking at me, just glaring at me. Shakes like this tiny little corner, and she goes, oh, I love that. (laughs) It was a long week. (laughs) And I completely attribute having my key and leaving my sheets to her. We can be so fickle with what we don't know, can't we? My grandma told me, she was 78 years old, and she said, I don't like blueberries. And I said, really? Who doesn't like a blueberry? And she says, well, I've never had one. But I'm like, what? You've got to have a blueberry. We can be so fickle with what we don't know. And when God looks to us and he says, do you trust me? Will you follow me? Will you come? And we've never walked that path before. Oh, we can say, oh, I don't like that path. I don't like that. It looks yucky. It looks icky. I don't want to go down that path. He says, the Spirit says, come. His word is perfect. His word is proven. He says, will you just come and taste of who I am? Will you come and know me? Will you come and see me? Will you come and love me? Will you come and experience my love and my fullness? Will you just taste and see that I'm good. And he's better than Alfredo ravioli and blueberries. (laughs) And then once we've truly tasted who he is, then we cry out for everyone to come. If you read chapter 22 in its fullness, it's talking about the ones who aren't allowed into the kingdom of God. And then it says, the spirit says, come. The bride says, come. They're so welcome to come in if they will just partake of his fullness. He says, come. And then once we've tasted of him, we cry out for them to come because we know who he is. We've tasted that he's good. We've tasted that there is no better way to live than absolute surrender to this God who loves us so perfectly. We come to his word for revelation. Remember what Jesus said. To the woman at the well, he said, if you knew who it was who talked to you, you would be asking me for a drink. He says, if you only knew what I had to offer you, precious woman, you would be asking me for all that I am. If you only knew how I could help you. 
If you only knew what I could give you, if you only knew what I had to offer, you would ask me for a drink. Our verses say, let him who thirsts come. You and I can take of the water of life freely. Because there are those moments, even like Kathy said, this is a dry place up here. You're going to get thirsty. I don't know that it's drier than Palm Desert. <laughs> but maybe. I don't know. We've... Um, we were from San Diego, and my husband grew up in Orange County, and I grew up in San Diego, and I married him when he was a high school pastor at Calvary Chapel Vista. No, actually, he was Scott Cunningham's assistant, and the day we got back from our honeymoon, Scott went to Costa Mesa, and he became the high school pastor. So I married the assistant, and I came home with the pastor. I don't know how that worked. <laughs> And so we were there for five years, and then we moved to Texas to, to start a church or to take over a tiny little group of um, 17 people who wanted to be a Calvary out there. We moved to Texas, and we lived there for six years. And then the pastor of Calvary Vista called and asked my husband to come back and co-pastor with him. And so we did that for five years. And then two years ago, there was this precious congregation. Well, actually, three years ago now, there was this precious congregation that we heard of out in the desert who... Um, their pastor, unfortunately, did some not good stuff, and they were hurting and in need of a pastor. And, you know, unfortunately, in the day and age that we live in, we hear of those stories frequently, right? And it's heartbreaking. You you hear about the story. It's so sad. You're so broken for that church, and we pray for a second, and then we kind of move on and forget most of the time. God didn't let this church leave our hearts. And it was on our hearts, and we thought, well, we don't even know how we would get there or anything. And the Lord just brought us there by this crazy. And he kept telling me that he was going to open the Red Sea and part the way, and we were just going to walk through. And that's exactly what he did. And I started packing my house before they ever offered us a job. <laughs> so they were like, can you move? I'm like, tomorrow, sure. <laughs> No problem. I was in the Holy Spirit. And so I remember we've been there two years now. Actually, yeah, two days ago was two years that we've been out there. And it's such a precious, precious congregation. I mean, just the sweetest girls. We'll all have to get together sometime before heaven because you would just love these girls. And they would just love you. And... Um, we moved there two years ago. We moved there in August, obviously. And, like, if you can make it through Palm Desert in August, then you've got it. <laughs> Other than the separation of God, maybe you can, like, handle a little bit of Gehenna. I don't know. Like, it's just really hot and dry. There's no weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's just really hot. <laughs> And so I remember when we first moved there, they would meet, the, all the mommies would meet at the water park that's there, Wet and Wild or something like that. And they would meet there every Thursday. And so my first Thursday, I think we moved on a Saturday. And that Thursday, I took all my kids and we went to the water park. I'm like, sweet, this is what we do. So I was kind of like ready for the water park in Orange County. I don't know. Like I brought little bottles of water for us. And I thought, we're fine all day. We were dying of thirst. <laughs> dying of thirst. And I remember, and I'm fairly clean. I'm a little too tired to be as clean as I was before, but I'm a fairly clean person. And I'm standing in, you know, those wave pools that they have in the summer where all you can see is kids. I don't even want to know, like, the urine content. I just... <laughs> 
things like that you just try not to think about. And I literally, I'm standing there talking to a lady from the church, and I don't really know her yet. I'm so new. And the thought crossed my mind to scoop up water and just put it in my mouth. And I didn't do it, but I wanted to so bad. And the lifeguards who were there, they have these giant igloo things. And I watched this lifeguard who was kind of pacing back and forth in that little, like, what is it called? The little river thing? Lazy river? Yeah, lazy river. And I was watching her, and I watched, and as soon as she walked this way, I ran to her little igloo, and I, like, filled up my water bottle and just walked away really quick. And I just kept going back because she would be walking away the longest. But maybe you've been thirsty like that. Like thirsty, like you want a straw in a wave pool thirsty. Maybe you have been. Jesus says, do you thirst? Come to me. And maybe you've had seasons in your life where it's been a spiritual thirst. Where it's been dry, where it's been barren, where you're reading in Jeremiah and you're reading about that fruit tree. That though it goes through the years of drought, it still stays green. Its leaf still doesn't wither. It still bears fruit. And maybe you've been in that spot or maybe you're in that spot tonight where you're dry, where you're barren. Maybe you've had tragedy. Maybe you've had trial. Marriage is broken up. A child's sick. A loved one has passed away. Your friend is angry. You've been betrayed You've been lied about, gossiped about, lied to, left, abandoned. I mean, the list could go on and on, right? We live in a pretty messed up world. And maybe you thirst for Jesus like that. And maybe you don't even know that it's Jesus that you thirst for. And maybe you've tried to cover it up with shopping or with TV or with internet or with friendships or with vacations or anything else, can I tell you tonight that you thirst for Jesus? That we were created to thirst for Jesus? And the really good thing for you, unlike me that day at Wet and Wild, is that what it's called or is that the makeup? I feel really confused right now. Unlike me at the water park, (laughs) you can have as much of Jesus as you want. He says, you who thirst, come freely. Come here. How much of Jesus do you want tonight? How much? Because he will give you all that you want. He will give you all that you desire. You can have as much of Jesus as you choose. Have you ever gone to like the gas station stores and they have those cups? I don't like what cup holder does that fit in? Where does that go? Please tell me you don't drink soda in that thing. You can have like not just this much Jesus, but as much as you want. How much do you want? How thirsty are you? How hungry are you? I tell my kids as they open their Bible each morning, God has so much for you in his word today. Because I don't want my kids just to read their Bibles to read it. We do the one-year Bible, and I love the one-year Bible, but I don't want them to read it just to check it off to say that they did it. I want them to learn how to wield a sword 
like the men who were gathered around David. I want them to learn how to fight with God's word, not fighting each other, but fight the enemy of their souls, which means that mommy needs to not just read my Bible to read it. It means that mommy needs to seek the revelation of God for myself, that I need to come thirsty, that I need to come hungry. Isn't our prayer, God, make us desire you more? Because don't we want to desire him? We're so fleshly, right? Like the man who brought his son to Jesus, and Jesus says, do you believe? And the dad says, I believe. Help my unbelief. And if you're like me, you sit in this room tonight, and Jesus says, are you thirsty? Will you come? And you say, I thirst for you. Help me to thirst for you. Because we try to fill that thirst with other things. Don't we want him to open our eyes and give us a revelation and help us to understand? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come." Can you believe those verses? I mean, those are some crazy adjectives. Things like exceeding and riches and inheritance. This is an amazing opportunity to get to know an amazing God that you and I have. And this is what Paul says that he prays for daily. Isn't this what you and I need to pray for daily as well? That we would know that hope of his calling? Because Jesus wants us to know him even more than we want to know him. We were created to long for him. We were created to know him. Isn't that part of heaven? That someday we will know as we are fully known. We were created to be known. And we were created to long to know. I mean, isn't that what social media is about? Because we want to know. Apparently, we need to know what people are eating. We need to know where people are. I remember this one day. I was just thinking... You know, I, I was on Facebook, and then I was off of it for a long time. And then we, when we took over this church, I, um, I got back on Instagram and Facebook because I wanted to do like women's ministry stuff and get it out there and get it known for our ladies in our church. But I remember before when I was just on Facebook personally, I got off of it because, okay, this is kind of a dumb reason. But I remember one day, my kids, you know, we were at the beach, we were eating ice cream. I took a picture of them. And this lady says to me, you're such a good mom. And I thought, I don't even know who that is. She doesn't know me. For all she knows, I lined my kids up, gave them ice cream, took a picture, took it away, and beat them. She has no idea. (laughs) 
we were created to know, and that's the appeal of social media. You can know and be known at all times. And the statistics are horrifying. The average American spends nine hours on social media every day. Now, you connect that with five hours on average watching TV, and I don't know what else we do to make a living because as far as I know, Mark Zuckerberg, whatever his last name is, Zickerman, I don't know. Okay, yeah, whatever they just said. Whatever they said in chorus because they know he's the only one who makes money off of Facebook. We don't do that, so I don't know. But we were created to know and be known. And social media will not fill that desire and void. It is only being known by the God of the universe and knowing him fully that will fill that desire in us. Jesus says there's one thing, one thing to seek, and that's me. One thing that we can't lose, and that's Jesus. Romans 11 says of the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord, who has become his counselor, who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom belong glory forever. Amen. He can never We can never, he can, sorry, we can never come to the end of him. We can never come to the end of his ways. But don't we want to die trying? Don't we want to know as much of Jesus as we possibly can? Maybe some of you in the room remember the early days of marriage where you just wanted to know everything about each other. What'd you get for Christmas when you were 10? What was your favorite food when you were four? (laughs) What do you want to be when you grew up? Tell me your dreams. What are your secrets? And maybe when you first met with Jesus, maybe it was like that. Maybe you just couldn't stop reading your Bible. Maybe you just couldn't get enough worship music. Maybe you were at the church every day that it opened. Maybe you told everybody around you about this love of God that you had never experienced before. Are you more on fire today for Jesus than you were when you first got saved? Do you want to know him deeper? Jesus said to the church in Ephesus that they had left their first love. Now they were also the busiest church. They also had the most things going on, the most programs, the most events. And sometimes you and I can know Jesus. And everything that we do starts with that passion, that Abraham friendship, that face-to-face desire of Moses. But then all of a sudden, slowly, 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 it turns that we know about him because we're too busy for him too busy to sit down and hear him, too busy to get near him. We need to get to church to serve. We need to get to this event to to do the coffee. We need to go here to tell this person. And suddenly, we're too busy. And maybe some of you in the room have had a husband 
who works so hard for your family and is always providing and always working hard that you really wish that he could just sit down and have a family dinner with you. You really wish that he could just take you on a date and spend some time with you. And I just wonder sometimes when I sit in marriage counseling if that isn't how Jesus feels about us sometimes. That we are so busy providing for him. God, you are going to be so excited when you see all these decorations. You're just going to love it. And he's like, could you just sit and have a cup of coffee with me? Could you just spend some time with me? Would you just come and let me tell you who I am? I'm always amazed at Moses, again, a little jealous, but mostly amazed, that he got to be face-to-face friends with God. When he went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, one of my favorite little, like, tiny pieces of an obscure verse in Exodus is that it says that Moses went up on the mountain and he sat there for six days. And on the seventh day, God called him from the mountain. And I remember a few, a few years ago, God so pointed that out to me. And I just started wondering, would I have made it to the seventh day? <laughs> I mean, you know that God calls you up on the mountain. You're like this face-to-face friends with him. But all of a sudden, suddenly you're up on this mountain and it's just quiet for six days. And there's nothing. For six days? And you think, well, what if he had left like day five? (laughs) What if he had left like day six and a half? What if he hadn't made it to the seventh day? Moses wasn't moving until he heard from God. Because the last thing that God had told him to do was to climb the mountain. And I don't know how he climbed the mountain as old as he was anyway. But the last thing, and maybe that was probably why he's like, I'm not going down and coming back up again. I don't know. (laughs) But the last thing that God had told him to do was to climb a mountain. And you know what? Moses wasn't moving from that mountain until he heard from the Lord. How long are you and I willing to wait? Willing to sit? And I know we have jobs and people and other people that depend on us and places that we have to go and things that we have to do. I get that. But have we ever scheduled a day or two to say, I'm just going to sit here and see what God says. I'm just going to sit here and see what he wants to do. I, I don't want to give him a time restraint today because isn't that usually how it is? All right, God, you got until 630 and then I got to go speak. <laughs> And doesn't it drive us crazy when our husband's like, my husband was so sweet in the early days of our marriage, he thought he was so nice to pause the TV during halftime. <laughs> what do you want to say? This is your talking time before I turn it back on for another hour. <laughs> Talk, go, what? <laughs> and doesn't that drive us absolutely crazy? But isn't that kind of how we are with God? I won't tell your husband, don't worry. <laughs> And obviously, again, we have schedules and it doesn't always work, but would we just maybe take some time where we say, God, I don't care if you speak to me or not. I just want to sit with you for the first part of the day. I just want to sit with you. Whether he spoke or not, would we be willing just to sit with him in silence? Oh, I bet he would say amazing things. The Bible tells us that he holds the secrets. And I don't know about you, but I want my ear to be as close to his mouth as possible. So if he's got something that he's really excited about and just can't hold any longer, if that's like not disrespectful to say about God, that my ear is the first thing that his mouth comes to, that he's really excited and he'll give me his secrets. 
at family camp every year. I don't know why they call it family camp because you really don't see your kids at all. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever come to one. They, they have so much fun and it's so protected and safe here that it's like one of the only places in the world that they can just roam. And I know that they tell you not to let your kids roam and close your ears, Kathy, and that there's somebody, supposed to be somebody who's up in the game room and I'm sure that there is. Um, but we make our kids have breakfast and dinner with us. And that's our role. That's our family camp role. And every time we're almost up to the mountain, I say, no, don't forget. I know we have to have breakfast and dinner with you. And then somehow they always forget or think that they can get out of it. And I just want to have two meals with my kids. And it drives them crazy. And we end up being the table with 12 chairs around it because they drag every friend possible to our table so that they can still sit with us and abide by our role but still hang out with their friends. I like having their friends anyway, but it breaks my mommy heart that they are so annoyed at having to have a meal with me. I don't think I'm so bad. <laughs> I have to force my children to eat with me. I know that it's normal. It still makes me feel teeny, teeny bit sad, but I don't ever want Jesus to feel like that. I don't ever want Jesus to feel, oh, well, they said I have to spend time with you, so here I am. I'm here to spend time with you. I know the song, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. I don't want to shrink, 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 so here I am. I don't ever want to feel obligated to spend time with Jesus. I don't ever want him to feel like I feel obligated. The more we get of Jesus, the better it is for us. The more that we come to him for revelation, the better it is for us and everyone around us. He says, if you will make a choice and a discipline and an effort on your part to press into me, to come to me, oh, there is no end to what I will give to you. There is no end to the riches that I have for you. Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away, O my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the cleft. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet, and your face is lovely. And that verse was on my heart right before we, we came in here, and it was just on my heart, and I kept feeling like God was saying, Come away, come away. And I looked at the title for that little section in the chapter, and the title of it is called The Beloved's Request. And I loved that for this weekend. Your beloved has requested that you come away with him, that you come away, that he loves your voice. He loves your voice. I remember getting done teaching a Bible study one time and a lady came up to me and said, I really loved what you said when you first started. I thought, oh, can I listen to her voice for an hour? But I really liked what you said. (laughs) Thank you. Is that how you, I, I I didn't know what to say. Thank you. Thank you. I think. Thank you. God loves your voice. Maybe you've got a husband and your voice just, oh. or maybe you have teenagers, oh. or maybe you 
have kids who don't hear you. Or maybe you have friends and you call them and they don't answer. And you text 911, I need you right now. And they still don't call. Maybe you don't have any friends. You have a God who loves your voice, who loves time with you. And maybe you're in here tonight and you don't know this, Jesus. Maybe you've come here, but you haven't heard his voice saying, come. Or maybe you have heard his voice saying, come, but you haven't responded. Can I tell you that there is no greater choice that you could ever make than to come to Jesus. I know, I know. It's like ravioli that you've never tasted before. I know. I know you might not know what that means. Come to Jesus. What does that mean? I used to hear that when I was in junior high and all these sweet little like Jesus people, hippies would say, we're having a come to Jesus moment. (laughs) Oh, what? What is that? You will never regret closing your eyes and saying, Jesus, I don't know what this means. I don't even know for sure if you're real. But if you are, I want to come to you. He won't let you down. Again, he says, call to me, and I'm going to show you great and mighty things. That applies to non-Christians and Christians alike. You don't know Jesus in this room. Oh, would you come to him? Would you come to him for a life that will be more satisfying than anything that you have ever thirsted after in this world? If you do know Jesus, would you come to him in whatever he calls you to? Whatever path he asks you to take, would this be the weekend that you come away with him? I know everybody in this room is so fun and so cute and so adorable. And it is so exciting to talk to everybody. But just in this retreat, will you get away by yourself with Jesus for just a little bit of time? I already peeked ahead. I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about this, but I saw little devotions in there. There, that's my devotional plug. And there's your Bible, and there's the Word, and there's devotions in your booklet. There's so much that Jesus wants to give to you. So much that he has for you this weekend. So Lord, we hear your voice. Lord, you say to our hearts, every heart in this room, you say, come. And again, maybe there's some in this room and you've never come when Jesus has called. Or maybe you came a long time ago and then you went on your own path and you remember that you tasted and saw that God was good, but but then you got distracted. And maybe you're in here tonight and that's you. I know I know because the Lord's telling me that there are some. And if that's you, everybody, every eye closed, but would you just raise your hand up? If you want to come to Jesus and you haven't come or you've come a long time ago, so many beautiful hands and eyes, Lord. Oh, maybe just uh, maybe one or two more. I still feel like there's some. Jesus is calling you to come, and you don't even know. You didn't even know maybe that voice was his. You've been feeling this voice that's beckoning you to come. Oh, you're going to be so blessed, precious girls. Lord, I just lift these girls up to you with their hands raised.
Jesus, when you crash into their lives with your love like never before, with the riches immeasurable, with the wisdom unsearchable, with the satisfaction, Lord, they have been drinking from a wave pool, whether they realize it or not. And now, Jesus, you have just given them the most beautiful, clear water. I'm just going to be quiet for a minute. And girls who raised your hand, who looked at me, just pray. All prayer is is just talking to Jesus. People who brought you are going to be so excited. Jesus is so excited. It says that the Bible, that the angels are rejoicing. Would you just pray and say, Jesus, I don't even know totally what it means, but I come to you and would you come into my heart and be my Savior? Why don't you just pray that in the quietness of your heart? And then I know there's some in this room that Jesus has called you down a path and you've said no and you turned away because it seemed too dark it seemed too scary you didn't think that you would like it and maybe you regret that and maybe you've had an emptiness in your soul chasing after that which you thought would fulfill rather than coming on the path that Jesus called you to. And if that's you in this room, maybe just stand to your feet and surrender. Nobody's looking. The way of God is perfect, and it's proven. Hundreds of thousands of saints have walked this path before us, And the way of God has always been perfect. They have proven it to be true. They have proven it to be right. And us in our stubbornness, I know I'm already standing, but if I was sitting, I would be standing, Lord. Us in our our stubbornness, we just say to you, Lord, no more. We surrender. And we might be scared, but we surrender with fear your ways are higher than our ways your thoughts are beyond our thoughts so Lord we surrender to you Jesus would we hear your voice this weekend as you call us to come away would we come away with you would we get that quiet time Lord would we have an amazing ice cream social where we're social but then Jesus we also be social with you. God, would you turn our desire to know and to be known in a desire to know you and be known by you, Jesus. Would you create a thirst in us like we have never had before for you? Would you meet us in a way that we have never been met by you before, Jesus? Spirit says, come. And Lord, we as your bride, we just raise our hands and we say, Jesus, you come. You come, Spirit. You come upon us. God, would you reveal yourself to us through your word, through worship, through prayer, God. Draw us near to yourself this weekend. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.